everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my co-worker, Jordan Bianchi. We are our sports writers for The Athletic, and today we're here to talk about the Gateway Marathon uh, that started. <laughs> that start, in, in terms of like elapsed time uh, from green flag, I guess, to checkered flag, it was longer than the Coke 600. Uh, not, you know, if you're counting the red flags. Of course, the Coke 600 was delayed entirely. I was going to say, the so. Coke 600, though, if you're counting the red flag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and then also um, I had an Xfinity race after it, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so not not quite as long of a day, but uh, it's been two long weekends for for NASCAR. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the thing was, though, like the Coke 600 made it worthwhile. Like that was a race worth your investing your time in. And you said, wow, this was really good and entertaining. And you walked away from that going, that was great. That didn't feel like we talked about that last week. It didn't feel like was it three and a half hours or whatever it was or four hours or you know it was like this is good. Almost five hours, yeah. Was it five hours last week? It didn't yeah. feel like it. Yeah. And this one though, man, it was just like <laughs> how many laps are left? How many I laps know. are left? How many <clears throat> yeah. laps are left? Uh, I don't know. It's just this race was stop? not. I don't think it met your threshold of perfectly acceptable. No. I would Ooh, say whatever that bar is, it was definitely below it. I'm like, I'm very curious to see. I almost want to get to the good race pole first. But I see. I don't understand why. Like, okay, like yeah. it was fine. Like, no, it wasn't though. I, I don't know. Like, I, I never it really got a, it was, a, a it was feel very, for this it was race. Meh. It was, it was yeah. very meh. It was unforgettable. There wasn't. No, it was forgettable. You mean? You said it was unforgettable. Yeah, I'm like, that's the second one now. Uh, it was very forgettable. It was, there wasn't much excitement or anything like that. Um, you kind of felt like Kyle at the end was kind of, no one really ever felt really like they were going to be able to challenge Kyle Busch. Um, and there wasn't any moments where you're like, oh yeah, that was cool or whatever. It just was, you know, the, the story of the day was not a lot of great racing, not a lot of passing and brake rotors that, exploded like pinatas at a kid's birthday party how would you you don't go to a kid's birthday party so how would you know that <laughs> I've, I've heard i've seen movies okay oh, okay okay well <laughs> to your point um it was so interesting because you would think okay hey the leader is going to be challenged with essentially like five late race restarts yeah and like like you said i never once was like Oh, this somebody's gonna get him this time, like, or somebody's gonna race him. Like, it was just like, nah, Larson doesn't. It doesn't feel like he has it. Mm -hmm. Um, and plus, he was on two older tires, mm -hmm. so even though he kept restarting on the front row next to him, it was like, well, Kyle Busch has a tire advantage, even though it's been a while on their tires. He's also, he's, and he's one of the best restarters in the game. Yeah. And, and um, so like, it's it just. And then like yeah. you know, Hamlin was kind of there. Blaney was there for a while, but it it never felt like they were going to get up and like take the lead, mm -hmm. um, even though they were close to the to the front. Um, so yeah, I mean, so look, certainly Kyle Busch deserved it. He oh, definitely 100%. earned the win, but it was sort just sort of like I don't know what is this race. It was very hard to get a feel for it or something. Like um, it felt very disjointed for the start, where like Larson just falls all the way to the back. I would even go much. back before that, though. Like, it's, it felt disjointed the fact that lap one, there was a caution and then a lightning delay for an hour and 40 minutes. Well, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. For like, sure. I mean, it's just from the drop, it just felt off. Yeah. It, it And then when um, when the power ends up going out, where FS1 yep. cut off the air for a while, and then MRN was off. And then, like, for me, <clears throat> so obviously both of us were covering this race at home. Um, 
my tools that I would use to sort of like really keep in touch with the race were either like completely out or coming in and out or laggy. Like the, so the scoring monitors, um, you know, the last, when, when somebody made their last pit stop, um, you know, the, the, even the NASCAR.com feed, I, I was like, well, I'll just go to that for backup. That seemed lapsed behind at times. Um, and you know, I, I noticed people were talking about, well, the in-car camera feeds went down for mm-hmm. the rest of the day, just things like that. So, you know, we sort of get used to like, okay, well, this is how we watch races, how we know what's going on. At least, you know, thank goodness the scanner still worked. That was helpful, but it was just hard to get a feel. And then, you know, there was, you know, these red flags and, um, you know, two, two for wrecks in addition to the rain. Um, you know, yeah, like you said, you had the brake rotor thing going on. You're like, well, what's, what's going on with this? Why is this happening? Um, it just, and, and I also just think, I mean, in general, you know, gateway and, and flat tracks sort of like that, that, I mean, that they just have never really been, you know, it's, it, you could lump New Hampshire, Phoenix, same kind of type of track in there. And, Mm -hmm. um, it's just not the best type of racing. Now this wasn't the short track package, but it's essentially a, a short track or in that group. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. It's just, it was just a weird, it was a really odd feeling race. That's, I just, I don't know. The, I don't know how to describe it. It was just weird. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see what gateways identity is going forward. When it got added to the schedule, it was like, Oh, okay. They're going to, they're finally going to go to St. Louis, which is good. Great sports town need to be there. Um, but it's like, like you your point, like, Oh, we're going to add another flat mile track. Like, okay, we already got a couple of those and neither of those really, you know, hit the ball out of the park too often. So what is the identity of this? Now, last year was a sellout, and that was great, and it seemed like it was a big thing. And this year was a sellout, and that was good. But you, you got to have something on the track, though, to sell your audience as well, in, in addition to just being there. And I don't know. I wonder about this going forward. Like, if you're a fan and you're like, the novelty of this race is going to wear off at some point. You're going to have to do more to, to bring in an audience. And if you're this is the racing you can kind of expect there, like, I, I just – you know, you're, you're going to need more. Well, I mean, look, you know, the, the good thing about gateway is their track promoters and the things they do, there are really on it. Like, sure. If you, I don't know if you guys noticed, but you know, they have, they had this whole confluence music festival. Like there's a concert after the race tonight, yeah, they, that's you cool. know, they had stuff the whole weekend they had, they were, they were the original ones. I mean, now they're using, um, Kenny Wallace and John Roberts, you know, it seems like more at tracks, but they, they brought Kenny Wallace back to the track. Uh, and John Roberts last year to recreate that, you know, the old race day experience, which was really hugely popular with fans. Um, they did a thing where, I mean, like, look, their, their track is older, like, right. It's not a new track that they suddenly built. So, you know, the, their infrastructure there is not sort of up to date, but like last year I noticed when we were there, you know, they, they made this whole like fan zone type thing, um, fan walk basically right up next to the garage. Um, they didn't have, sort of the fencing there to build it, but they just set it up themselves and like let people come into this sort of fan area in the infield, things like that. So it's like, okay, I mean, at least they're, they're making, they're giving the fans value for coming. But like you said, the racing, I mean, yeah, if if you, if you're a fan, you got there all day. Um, and then you sat through this lightning delay, which is not, you know, that's not their fault obviously, but that's frustrating. And then, you know, just the racing, the brake rotors, um, you know, just like, ah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, there wasn't, I mean, the first 
don't know how many laps. It was like, well, Bush led some, Blaney led some. And it was like there was not a lot of back and forth or any of that great side by side. It just it felt very, very, I don't know, insert shrug your shoulders, you know, emoji. Well, and, and that's, you know, I think another part of this race was the way that we were watching sort of like some of the people up there and then some of the people that weren't up there. You know, it, it was like, what what correlation does this have to the rest of the season? Like some, mm-hmm. I think it's it's almost better at times when the people who are running well or not running well fits into the, like the overall picture, right? Like, cause we, we keep talking, we're all oh, trying to find trend or we're trying to find who's running well. And then we can say, well, this guy's having a really great season. This guy's on his way to doing this. And that's sort of like a storyline, like that we're looking at each week. Well, this, you know, but this felt like there, there was some, the, uh, some of the drivers say, we're just like, well, this doesn't seem to have connect with what we're used to seeing. Like, I don't get why this person's not running well or this person is running well. I mean, Larson again, ended up getting back up there, um, after they fixed, fixed some stuff. But like, I mean, I mean, I guess Chastain struggled last week too, but Chastain last year ran well here. Uh, mm-hmm. well, and you know, he was running with Denny Hamlin when he got in that incident. Right. And then Hamlin hounded him that, that whole thing. But today he was completely off. He ended up losing he did get stage points though in the first two stages. Yes, he finished like eighth and ninth, I think. Yeah, but he like he was a non-factor in stage three. I think he got did he get caught up in a little bit. Of, did he get a little bit of damage? He had some sort of damage. Yeah. So, but so he ends up losing. You know, we had talked about last week. You know, his points lead had shrunk down to one point after he had decent little yeah. margin going there. Now today, from what I'm seeing, I don't know if this is exactly accurate because it's it's the feed that I've been looking at all day, <laughs> um, but. It looks like he is now fifth in points. He lost four spots in the points today, and he's now he's suddenly 29 back. Um, Ryan Blaney is a new points leader again. If I'm looking at this correctly, so um, you know that's that's quite a turnaround for Ross. Uh, three weeks in a row now after the whole Darlington incident, where it's just been kind of quiet, right? I mean, I guess McDowell felt like he got chastained today, but for the most part, we haven't really been talking about the guy. Not for the reasons that we want it. You should, you want to be talking about running up front, leading laps, and being the points leader. And this is three straight uh, points races now. And if you want to throw the all-star race in there, that's fine too. But where this has just been like, what's going on here? Well, and, and Daniel Suarez was top 10 all day. He was running top five yeah. a lot of the day. He ends up finishing seventh. So it's just like, yeah. that. So that, that was kind of weird. I mean, like another example was um, – Almondinger was running pretty well for most of the day. And that, again, that's not nothing against him, but that's not usually a guy you see at, at ovals, like running well, right? Like running just outside the top 10. Um, you know, it, it, I thought it was going to be a very sort of like Hendrick ish day. Um, it, it just wasn't, I mean, Byron, what led at one point for, for 30 laps, but looked, it, it never felt good. like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I don't know how much you you factor LaJoy's struggles into that, whether you put that on LaJoy, whether you put that on the nine team. He ends up finishing 21st, which was probably the highest he ran. I think that was the highest he ran the entire day yeah. for LaJoy. Um, and we could talk about that for a second. I mean, the LaJoy thing was going to be a big storyline coming into this weekend. Everybody's like, wow, you know, stacking pennies guy, the guy who, you know, told Denny Hamlin, like on Twitter during the pandemic, hey, if I, all I have to do is get in your car and I would win, you know, all these races, right? 
And so it's like, here he is, finally he's got this chance. Qualifying didn't go well. At the start of this race, he hits the kill switch, but he was pretty much starting toward the back anyway. And then just all day, he was just running in sort of like the mid-20s, and they could never get the car. He wasn't he like... Yeah, and, and I listened to his radio for most of the day because I thought this is going to be the story. Like, mm-hmm. how's he... At some point, he's going to come forward in this car, and, and they just never really... He never really felt comfortable in it for whatever reason, or he never felt like he had something he could lean on. And they were just sort of like... Alan Gustafson was like, yeah, sorry, I... You know, I got nothing for you. <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, it, that's what it sounded like, and so I'm sure that had to be really deflating for LaJoy. I don't know if you've watched Bob Pockers's video yet. That was I'm only... not yet. Have you? Uh, yeah, I watched it. It was like about a minute long video, and yeah, LaJoy basically looked pretty deflated, and and he he says at one point in the video, like it's not embarrassing, but I've got some stuff that I got to work on to try to figure out what feel I need out of this car because or these cars, because that, that wasn't what he wanted, obviously. Right. No. I mean, he, he knows like he's, he's been out there saying, Hey, I just need a shot. And then it was like, what happened? Like we didn't, we didn't sort of get that story. Yeah. You get your shot and you get it with a team that's right now hitting on, they're hitting on it. And, and I thought today was, it reminded me a little bit of Josh Bear because when Josh Bear was driving that car, a lot of races, they would start off bad. Like they would be like, oh man, they, you know, we would, we kind of message each other. We're like, oh, you know, don't look like the nine teams doing it today and that kind of thing. And they'd struggle. And then by like the third stage, you're like, oh, where did Josh Perry come from? And so they were able to figure it out. I kind of kept waiting for that. Today. I kept waiting for it. Like, okay, you know, it never happened. It, they never got the handle on the car. Corey looked very you could tell like it almost like he's putting too much pressure on himself to perform. Like he needed to go out there. He felt like, and like to be a Superman. And it's honestly, he didn't like, and a day like this when attrition's going on and everybody else is, you know, having issues, just go out there and do your thing. And, and in qualifying, don't hit the wall. Like, you know, it's easier said than done, but don't push yourself to the limit where you're running up against the wall. You don't got to You don't have to do anything crazy. Just put down a decent lap and go from there. And it just, he never got no rhythm, never looked comfortable. And, you know, maybe it's just, you know, opening night jitters, with the, you know, first shot with a, with a big team. And, you know, you, you feel like you don't know if you're going to get that again. And it's unfortunate because you don't know if you're going to get that again. I actually saw it a little bit differently because I felt like if he had been trying too hard in the race or, or putting too much pressure on himself or had the jitters, um, he would have wrecked it. Like he would have overdriven at some point and trashed the thing he brought it home cleanly. Right. Um, and you know, certainly in qualifying, you could make the case that maybe he was trying a little bit too hard or got a little bit over aggressive or something overstepped it. But during the race, I thought he drove a clean race. He just didn't have what the feel he needed. Now at the same time, you know, when Larson was falling back at the beginning of the race, you're like, well, okay. So maybe Hendrick in general, just maybe sort of missed this a little bit. Um, but then when Larson, you know, Cliff Daniels is able to make the changes for Larson, Larson gets back up there for whatever reason they couldn't get the nine car working that way. And he was pretty much running the lowest of the Hendrick cars for much of the day until Bowman at the very end, Bowman had a good day going and we still don't know what happened. At least I don't, they went off TV, went off air really yeah. quickly. They didn't cover it, but on the, in the, in overtime Bowman, some, something happens and he falls all the way back to 26th. Um, and in doing so from what I'm seeing, he loses his uh, 16th playoff spot. 
one week after he had just gotten right back into it. Because uh, Daniel Suarez takes that spot now by six points again unofficially. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, and Bowman would have been in it still. So I, I would like to know what happened there. But yeah, just in general for Hendrick. And then, and then Byron was going to have a shot at the win. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, had that bat when, when they, they had that pit stop where some took two and some took four, mm-hmm. he had some sort of bad pit stop and then lost. Yeah, they the were slow and they yeah. were slow. They lost two seconds on pit road. And when then, in addition to people taking two tires, just throws you back in the middle of the pack. And then his car was not the same in traffic. And then he got a bad restart and he got shuffled back even further. And then at the end he was able to kind of make up a little bit of ground. So I don't know. Uh, the thing with Corey, though, too, is, and I say, like, he had a lot on his shoulders. I do wonder, though, mentally, like, hey, like, I, I don't want to do anything that's going to, like, damage this race car. I don't want to wreck it. And so, you know, almost it, it's kind of a part of you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself not to wreck. And by doing that, you're going slower. And, you know, so, I, you know, it's just part of it. it. It's just it did not look like the driver today who we have seen this year who's had a really great year and, and done a lot with it. And. Yeah, you know, again, you kind of want to excuse it. It's the first time you worked with these guys. It's your last minute thing, and you know we we've seen other guys step in, and it's it's not easy to do this. I mean, it's you know Jordan Taylor struggled at Coda in his first race with this team, and Josh Berry's first race at Las Vegas was bad. Now they had a mechanical issue of some sort, but even then, it wasn't like to where you'd want it to be. And so he just you know hopefully Corey gets an opportunity and, and he's going to showcase himself. He certainly had a great year and you don't want to judge him off of one race, but this was not how he wanted to do it. Well, and it it hurts sort of that entire narrative for him as well. When I mean Carson Hosevar jumps into Corey's car and Hosevar has qualifies him, out qualified him sure, but I mean just the way he was running. I mean he was up to 16th when he had his brake problem yeah. and. This was his cup debut and he only has three Xfinity races. It really goes back to, to me, what we've talked about several times where these people in the truck series, it's like, you really have to be careful judging talent off the truck series because. Absolutely. You don't know. You get into Xfinity again, Derek Krause, Haley Deegan, Hosevar, Harrison um, Burton. It you know you you move up Todd Gilland uh, yeah I think's probably another example right struggled in trucks yeah. gets the cup and he you know he's showing a lot more for himself but it's like well how much can you really judge by um, and you know Zane Smith made a comment after getting wrecked by Majeski Saturday like well I shouldn't have stayed in you know shouldn't have stayed in the series basically <laughs> I mean but I, I think there's some some truth to that right I mean he's sure. saying that out of, out of anger but the truck series is just um, you know, we're, we're making judgments off these people for the future and, and people are who, who, who deserves these rides and things like that. And then all of a sudden you, you put Hosevar in cup and you're like, look at this guy. He's mm-hmm. up to 16th in a spire car in his mm-hmm. debut where he probably didn't get, you know, much sim time or, you know, mm-hmm. obviously didn't get much practice. Doesn't, you know, he, he hasn't, this was a, a pretty last minute thing for him as well. Um, who knows how he would have done ultimately had his brake rotor not exploded. He was the first one to have the brakes, uh, the brake problem. But I mean, yeah, again, so going back to the joy thing, I mean, that has to be another kick in the pants for him where he's like, Oh man, this is, yeah, it's just, it's just hard to reconcile all these things, I guess that we're talking about today. Cause it just doesn't, 
this didn't fit any sort of narratives or storylines. This race was just so weird. I don't know. Yeah, um, no, I don't disagree. The only thing this fit is, and I said it last week, I'll say it again, like, it really sometimes feels like we don't know anything at all. <laughs> and, you know, um, you know, going into this race, I, I, I was asked about Kyle Busch this week on Sirius, and I was like, this to me is a team that's going in the wrong direction. Yeah, they're running fine. But they didn't look like they were going to win a race anytime soon. They're not doing the things that you would expect them, you you want to see from them. They're not leading laps. They're not winning stages. Yeah, he's got two wins, but that Fontana win was a long time ago. And since then, yeah, Talladega happened, but Tal, it's Talladega. And things kind of had a fall right there. And they just they haven't been to that level. And I don't say this team needed a win, but they needed to serve a reminder of like, hey, we are still the team that last year won three races and was a factor most weeks. And also I'm still Kyle Bush. And today was a heck of a reminder. You win from the pole, you lead the most laps and you kick everybody's butt. That's that, that, that goes a long way to changing the narrative a little bit about where you're at and how people view you. Well, and that's another perfect, perfect example of how this race made no sense, right? Because if anything, it had seemed like the eight team, um, had sort of struggled on the shorter tracks this year. Like they, they really haven't mm-hmm. been, good and so it again like i talked a few minutes ago like well i thought this might be sort of a hendrick show first like you'd have to go through them and then yeah you know gibbs would be right there well the jgr cars be there too yeah and that's that was gonna be my other thing because um blaney was really good in this race last year i mean it gets mm-hmm. kind of forgotten because logano won the race but blaney i think last year he had a really fast car and I think mm-hmm. he had to go to the back at one point and came back he, up through. Well, he had a brake issue or something like that, or he got tapped and he spun, didn't hit anything, but just like spun. Yeah. And he came from the back and finished fifth, I think. Yeah. Well, I think he was, I I'm pretty, maybe I'm wrong, but I think he lined up like second for that, for the final restart last okay. year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he, he did had a really good car last year. So I was like, and again, coming off the momentum that he had from the 600, I, that was going to be like, okay, so I was going to go Hendrick Gibbs. And then I was going to put Penske up there this week. And I just thought those teams. And, and again, if you had told me before the, like, like you said on Sirius, if you had said, how do you think Kyle Busch will do a gateway? I would have been like, nah, non-factor. Yeah. Like, I just don't know. He's not even in my top 10. Yeah. Seriously. Like no, I would have I mean, put, put Bubba Wallace and Tyler Reddick ahead of him, honestly. And probably Chastain. No, I don't know. Like the way he's running lately, Harvick. You would have put Harvick ahead of him. I would have put Harvick there. Harvick, I thought was going to do well. Yeah, it'll be. He probably, he probably doesn't. He doesn't crack my top ten. Maybe not even my top dozen. Yeah. So, but I mean, look, he comes out, leads uh, 121 laps, like you said, from the pole. Now, obviously, some of that's track position, but he didn't lead the entire race. I mean, he led five different times, so sure. he had to keep getting the lead. Um, and and the restart, like he was, yeah. you know. He, you get those restarts. It's really easy. You, all you need is one slip up, one bumble, you know, or one, you know, one stumble into the corner and it opens the door for someone to shoot, you know, don't try to dive bomb you or any other thing. He was perfect. He never gave anybody really an opportunity. So he, he was a, he had a really perfect day in a lot of respects. This was a, this was a vintage Kyle Bush day. So, but here's the question now. And we talked about this with Blaney last week. You know, we said, well, Blaney won. Does this really, does this necessarily sort of change anything that you feel about the season as a whole? Or, you know, do you look at, do you look at what Kyle Busch did today and go, Oh yeah, now he's, you know, yeah. And I have a lot of faith in them. They're going to go on some, a run and make the final four. I mean, i still wouldn't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking at this race today going, well, this means this, this means he's going to go here, here, here and do this. Yeah. 
I, not really. I, I, don't, I don't, it doesn't change don't for know. me. I don't know. No, I was going to ask you, like, I mean, I feel like there's a group of guys who I kind of have confidence in and I'm ready to kind of, I'm ready to remove Chastain from that group. Oh, well, I mean, the fact of the matter is three bad weeks and you're like three bye. bad weeks. It's not just that though. Three bad weeks. And we've said it before. We'll say it again. He has not won in over a year, like opportunities. And he hasn't won. And the, uh, the things we talked about at Darlington and how he's throwing away these points and that could come back to bite you and you don't know how long your cars are going to be dominant. He didn't take advantage of that. And he's got a zero now in the win column because of that. Yeah, but we you didn't know? think that was going to fall off a cliff the very next and we would never we didn't think so. But we didn't you know. know. But we, we, we did say it was a possibility because things can change quickly. Well, and, I didn't think this quickly. I mean, he well, was I, he was relevant and in contention like every week. He was the points sure. leader. We were saying again, we were saying all, you know, we, we had a, the content king. You know, this guy's he, he's yeah. in the mix every week uh, and it just. But it stopped. But we said it in the podcast, though. Like we said, it just sometimes stops and you don't know when your cars are not going to be as dominant as they were. And for three weeks now, they haven't been four weeks. You want to throw the all star race in there, which, you know, and so could it come back again? Absolutely. But I think there's not much right now about him and that where that team is at that says this is a team that can go out there and win the championship. It's still only three weeks, though, because you had we had it was at Darlington when that's when he was in contention for the win. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he went North Wilkesboro, Charlotte here. Three points races. No, two was points races and Char and North Wilkesboro. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I, I'm getting Kansas and Kansas and Darlington flip flop. Cause I keep that. They, 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 they switched this year in the schedule. My fault. No, I, I just, it, he's, he, he's lost a little momentum, but it's not like drastic yet. And, and look, I mean, Sonoma's next week. You know, he can go run well. He he won Coda last year. Um, Suarez won Sonoma last year. So the track house cars could be good there again. Good. You know, he could. we could suddenly be on this podcast next week going, oh. I mean, no, I mean, listen, it can swing. Like, this year is about swing. Like, we just talked about Kyle Busch went from a guy we didn't think was going to be a factor to a guy who dominated one. A week ago, Ryan Blaney dominated one and had won a race since, you know, a points race since August 2021. So, like, it changes quick, but. To me, if you're asking about how do you assess teams, it's like I, I take kind of the recent performance and their recent performance is not good. And their body of work is is not enough to say they're going to, you know, that this isn't a Joe Gibbs. This isn't a Hendrick. This isn't even a Penske. Like this is a track house team that's still only in their third year. And so that's not a great body of work. Let's, you know, that they. They haven't earned necessarily the benefit of the doubt is what I'm saying. I understand. Well, um, it's, you know, this is, is it, I guess what I was going to, I don't want to come across once again as, as sort of the, the pearl clutching type thing. No, but please. This is, this is the, the part of the part of the podcast I'm looking forward to. Is it good or bad for NASCAR in general when you don't really, when you have sort of these out of the blue, um, winners pop up that don't really make sense sort of in what you think has been the storylines of the season so far. And it's not, and we're not talking about like upset winners, but like people that hadn't been running particularly well and suddenly win where you go Blaney, like you said, long winless streak, boom wins Kyle Bush. We were pretty much like, Oh, he's, they've gone kind of cold boom wins. Right? Like 
is that good or bad? Like, would you rather see trends where you're like, okay, this makes sense, or is it better to have like, wow, where'd this person come from this week? And then they disappear again. I think a little bit of both, actually. I think it's always good to have like one or two like, guys who are consistently in the mix and you know that they're going to be up front. And re- lately it's been Kyle Larson and William Byron, right? And you know that you're going to have to kind of go through them to, to win the race. And then it's nice, though, to like not know what to expect and say, how many times have we said, oh, going into a race, oh, man, this feels like a Hendrick or a Gibbs day. And, you know, and it ends up being that way. And so having that unpredictability is good. And that to me is what the beauty of NASCAR is, is the fact is, is you've got, there are, I don't know, pick a note, I don't know what, 20 guys that realistically could win a race on a given day, maybe. And that's the beauty of it. You don't know. And I, and I think that's always been the case with NASCAR. It's like, you don't know. And a team on one day can hit on something and, and be good. And it's not like that in Formula One. Certainly not like that in Formula One. Every once in a while you get that in IndyCar, but not doesn't feel like very often. And so I do think when you have guys pop up, and especially it's not like these guys are out of nowhere, not even like upset, but like guys who've won races or anything, like you're just okay. They're these these this is a two-time champion we're talking about, who's supposed to be in the prime of his career still. You know, this is Ryan Blaney, who's supposed to be one of NASCAR's next great drivers. And so like they have all of the the ingredients there to to pop up and, and win a race. So to me, it's it's good when you see this because it keeps things fresh and exciting while also maintaining the fact that you've got a team dominating and that they're the team that you're chasing and you're gonna have to beat over the, the long haul the entirety of the season. I, I could buy that. I, I think it's somewhere in the middle as well. Like, because I do think that, you know, and again, we look, we, we view things from a media standpoint, right? So I think it's helpful for storylines for NASCAR and the sport where you could say, like, you could make a commercial or something, right? Like, like, okay, here's, here's an example. Not, not that they would make a commercial for, for Denny Hamlin because they're not going to promote him uh, with, with NASCAR, how they feel about Denny. Right. But like, let's say we when, should. when Denny was talking about when he was starting to get white hot. Right. And, mm-hmm. and then he goes out. So like, let's say you had, you saw a driver. Okay. Like this guy had a slow start of the season, but now they're getting hot. Can anybody beat them? Or will they challenge for a win? Will they go on a streak? And like, you're sort of talking about that person going into the race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again though like you don't want it to be so predictable like the year of like the big three where you're like well which one of these guys is going to win this week we know it's probably going to be one of these three mm-hmm. oh, yep they did it again you know you're just like uh or yeah. similarly like if it's a hendrick dominated season or a joe gibbs racing dominated season you're like which gibbs driver is going to win or which hendrick driver uh but, you know so it's good to have other people but i think it it's also you almost want to have some sort of like buildup where like, okay, this guy's starting to knock on the door and then they win, you know? Um, and, and just sort of see the storyline build a little bit for me. And now again, maybe it, maybe it doesn't matter. I, I don't know. But um, again, just the sort of, we're just coming off a weird race here where I just, I'm just like, how do I make sense of this? And what does it mean? I guess it means nothing. <laughs> I guess this, this race, we're not going to see it again in the playoffs. It's not really like any other track. Um, it doesn't really, who knows what it means. And so, yeah, there's this race. It just sort of stands on its own. We're going to go to a road course and we're going to take an off week and then we'll have something else to talk about. But I think that, and that's, that's the challenge in this new modern new era of NASCAR. Right. And I go back to a conversation you and I had with a crew chief at Atlanta 
in July 2021, um, where the crew chief was telling us, like, man, you know, before we had all these intermediate racetracks, and you know, you you knew that if you're gonna be an intermediate, good at one intermediate racetrack, you could you knew like they kind of fell in order, and especially during the summer when you visited Michigan twice and Pocono twice, and Indianapolis was an oval, and there was a lot of similarities between a lot of these tracks, like. You could just, you knew if you were going to be good on one, you could hit on one, you were going to hit a bunch of them. And that's not the case anymore because everything is so different. And you, you've got more road courses than ever before. You're going to a track like Gateway, which is not really anything else like it on the, the schedule. Um, there are these different tracks. You're going to a Chicago, a Chicago race on a street course where, yeah, it's, it's I guess, a road course or whatever you want to describe it as. But it's not anything that NASCAR has ever done before, and no one has any idea what you can carry. So it's just it is really hard to to take away from things and say, okay, if you're good here, you're going to probably be good here, and you can kind of look at the totality of the season that way. Now it's like you almost have to piecemeal it, and you have these little appetizers here and there. Well, I'll tell you what. If this was, um, <laughs> we're talking about how we don't have trends. Well, I'll tell you what. This this is the new trend coming up right now because here's here's the upcoming schedule now, Jordan. Okay. Again, they go to Sonoma next week okay. and they have the off week, a little bit of a reset, perhaps. Then you go to Nashville super speedway, which is a concrete, again, weird concrete kind of oval 1.3 mile. Yeah. yeah. Then you go to the street course race, which you're talking about. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be a traditional road course race. It's going to no. be completely weird and odd. And no one's then, ever raced on before. And it's going to be, yeah. honestly, let's, let's be honest. It's probably going to be a crash fest. To some right. degree. It's going to be completely, you know, tight corners and tracks can get Multi blocked. Yeah. And yeah. Then after that, is Atlanta, the super speedway Atlanta. Then after that is Loudon, which has no relevance really to, I mean, maybe you can maybe say, well, Phoenix, Phoenix, Phoenix yeah. yeah. Then is Pocono. <laughs> so like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, right, right. Uh, yeah. So, you know, so you run off, like you run well at gateway and you go to Sonoma and you, you have a great run there. And then you come back and you finish well at Nashville. It's like, cool. Okay. But what does that, what can you take away from that? And apply it elsewhere. And I think that's why that stretch we just kind of came out of, that Darlington, Kansas, Charlotte stretch. And I know Charlotte, you know, is an, an oval, a roval, but it's still, it has a lot of characteristics of other tracks you're going to see later on. Like that to me was such an important stretch because it kind of gave you an idea of where teams are at. I would even throw Talladega on that mix as well because they're, that's a playoff well, and, race. And Dover, Dover at least sort of races intermediate-ish a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so. like, so like, there, there is something to pull from that, um, but I, it's, it's, but yeah, hard. these races coming up, it's yeah. Way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who knows? It's just sort of a time for like, you can randomly sort of win a race here and there, get some playoff points. If you can get some stage points, if you can try not to take yourself out of the regular season championship or the points you get for that and just sort of survive until the final playoff push. But we're really not going to see sort of like, the traditional groups of tracks again now until the playoffs, really. I mean, um, you know, again, like yeah. even after Pocono, it's Richmond, Michigan, Indianapolis road course, Watkins Glen, Daytona cutoff for the end of the regular season. So better, better, uh, better be versatile, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, it, but I will say, and I'm not trying to go, uh, oh, not trying to, to try to emphasize my point here. But I think it goes back to what I said about Chastain, though, is like when you do have your opportunities and you have fast race cars, it's imp imperative to take advantage of it because you don't know 
where you're going to be good at again. And if you've got an opportunity to run off some wins and get points, man, that's that's your opportunity. You you need to you need to seize that day. And when you don't, you know, it, it could come back conceivably to bite you. You said you had a list of things to talk about going into the podcast. What what uh, else? Uh, well, by the way, before you, sorry, I, I told you no, no, to talk fine. and then I'm cutting you off. What, what do you, should we be, uh, how concerned should we be? Should everyone be about the, the brake rotor issue that we saw today? I don't remember. You got to go back to last year. This number Kevin Harvick had the same issue. Like there was a couple guys in this race last year that had this problem for, and they talked about it, um, a year ago where, um, and Mike Joy talked about the pot uh, on, the, on the broadcast today, and I was texting somebody else who's who kind of is smarter at this stuff than I am. And that because of the way these things, the, the brakes cool and heat and everything, it, it just basically cracks them. And, you know, it leads to, to these kind of issues. This was an issue in this race a year ago. Um, this is kind of this track where it's it's longer straightaways, and, you've, and then you get into the corners and you're hard on the brakes. And so because of that, it's it's a, it's a bad combination. I see. So I, right. I guess to me, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Like we haven't seen this really before at most well, places. Well, until you come to Gateway next year. <laughs> until you come to Gateway, but that's fair. But it's so, and what we saw last year, you see it this year. Now, uh, now I would think there's enough body of work to say, hey, body of evidence here to say, hey, we need to when we come back here a year from now, we need to figure out this problem because you can't have four failures. And those were some. There's a couple of those were some hard wrecks, dude. Mm. Like you, you just can't, you can't have that. The Gregson one. Ouch. Yeah, yeah for sure. So, I, I, are you concerned? Or? Um. Well, I just don't feel like we've seen that too often at other places, right? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. If it's if it's going to be sort of limited to, um, but I mean, that said, I don't know if you saw the tweet where the guy got hit from. A part of I saw the that yeah. rotor, like in the, the Gregson chest. Fan. Um and a Greg's Gregson wrote back to the guy. Yep. Um, but yeah, you, you don't want pieces flying into the sands either, right? We just talked about no. the tire last week um at Indy and how dangerous that was. You also don't want pieces of harp of, of a hot, sharp brake rotor. Um, so anyway. Um okay. So yeah, what else is on your list uh to to chat about? I'm glad you mentioned brake failures, brake rotors and the failures, because that was on there. Uh, big win for Kyle. We talked about that. The racing was just eh. Uh, LaJoy. We talked about Blaney. We talked about Suarez. We talked about Chastain. The only thing I have on my list is Todd Gilliland again, by the way, finished 15. Like, this, like just underdog guy. We've talked about his story and everything, but just keeps cranking out these good finishes. And, you know, I know he came off a bad race at the 600, but he also wasn't with his normal team. And so just keeps doing what he does all year long. By the way, uh, as you were talking just then, I see a NASCAR statement that came over on Twitter, at least talking oh. about the, um, the internet outage and stuff that affected, you know, several things and including the teams not having data and being able to mm -hmm. relate back. Uh, I'll just read it here. During today's NASCAR Cup Series race at Worldwide Technology Raceway, there was an off-site fiber connectivity failure that briefly interrupted the television and radio broadcasts as well as impacting internet for teams on pit road. There was not a failure with any track or NASCAR equipment at the facility during today's event. So I guess they're saying Gateway is off the hook because people, um, of course, remember the 2021 truck race there where the lights kept going out and we're like, well, the infrastructure there is not very good or something. And, 
you know, what's going to go on when they have a, a cup race, you know, is it going to be, is it going to have enough inf- infrastructure for that? Uh, so they're saying that, um, no, it wasn't their fault. They're saying it was, I guess, uh, AT&T dropped the ball there. They're, uh, that okay. was what, uh, the track spokesman tweeted. So okay. oh, you don't buy this. That's all well and good. Okay. All right. That's fine. But this isn't the first time where an offsite issue has impacted the track. This happened in 2010 as well. Like, you know, this track, this track has the worst bad luck possible. Or there's, you know, I, I don't know. I, we don't have. I'm not trying to assign blame, but like, when you have a reputation as a track who don't really have your, you're, you're not as buttoned up as maybe you should be, as compared to some other tracks, and then you have this issue, you don't always get the benefit of the doubt. And so, uh, you know, or you've got to figure out a way to make sure, like. This is the third time now, 2010, 2021, and then this year where you've had some kind of power issue. And yeah, this wasn't their fault. But again, why does this keep happening to your track? This doesn't happen to any other track we go to on a regular basis. That's true. Uh, not to be jumping around here, but also in, in terms of statements, um, we don't know really. Uh, you saw Eric Jones, front tire changer, Thomas Hatcher, was injured on pit road and the ambulance had to come take him. Uh, all we know is that we were told he was awake and alert, um, taken to the hospital. Um, but unless you've seen, I mean, I haven't seen a replay. I don't really know. I haven't seen anything on it. It was yeah. weird because everybody was, I almost kind of feel bad for Austin Dillon. Cause it was a lot oh, of, at first it was like Austin Dillon, hit Austin him. Dillon hit him. It's like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Like let's like, that's a big, you know, that's a big thing to say. And then, oh, no, he ran into his own guy or the, the crew member ran into his own team member while making a pit stop, which is a huge difference from he got hit by a car. Well, I think. Well, I, I don't know that. He, yeah, they said that he collided with this guy, but then I think he still got hit by a car. Did he? I, I, I didn't th- hear that. I don't think it was just that he ran into a crew member than just fell well, that's down. what I understand it but they said the three I thought the three team if I said they did not hit him no I think Eric Jones might have hit him like maybe okay. his own guy hit him or something I, I don't well, know again uh, we have way, this replay, is the point so, though yeah. like we don't know because we haven't seen it so yeah uh, yeah you're right so we don't really know about that but we're not, I, I just don't want to like yeah be like oh yeah we didn't even mention it on the podcast at all no. um by the way speaking of things not mentioned on the podcast. I don't even think this is worth mentioning, but I'm just going to say it anyway, because Richard Childress in the post-race press conference said, Oh, you know, Austin Sindrick wrecked Austin Dillon on purpose as payback. Now we have got a whole thing because of course, on our last podcast, we talked about the chase Elliott thing. Since that podcast happened, he obviously got suspended. What we, that was what we thought was going to happen. Um, and, but a big part of that was the data, the data they're using the data to see that, you know, he, he turned a sharp left into Denny Hamlin um, well, the SMT data, at least live, the live version of it was not available today. So I'm not sure if you, if they can go back and get that or not, but, um, I watched the replay again after Childress said this, and I really don't think Sindrick was like trying to right hook him. I, I don't view it as the same incident. Sorry. It looked to me more like Sindrick was like, I'm going to hold my ground here. It looks like you're going to come across my nose. Uh, I, I didn't think that Sindrick was like, I'm going to wreck you and turn you headfirst into the wall, which he ended up hitting Stenhouse. Um, that was unfortunate for Stenhouse, but I, I don't know. I, sorry. I didn't think that was, that was a racing I, I don't incident. buy it. Yeah. So you didn't I, think it was an intentional at, payback on purpose yeah. for Austin Cindric? Uh No, I, to me, it looked like a racing incident and I, and I need to see more of it, but it, this was not even the same league as 
what Chase Elliott did. This was this was racing, and I I don't think it was. But I know. I think just as much do about nothing, and I think there's a there are some very vocal Chase Elliott fans out there who are very angry that their driver got suspended, and they're gonna any on track. Uh, incident they're going to look at and say oh see 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 if you're going to penalize my guy you got to penalize that something else that's just come out while we're on the podcast here is we now know that todd gillen's car and eric jones car are going back to the r&d center that's important because last week (laughs) chase briscoe's car went to the r&d center and boy did they find something i did um, and Michael McDowell, by the way, another good run for him. Finished top 10 today. So both front row cars. After taking had, two tires and it didn't look like it was going to work. He did that all day. Like they, yeah. their tire strategy today was aggressive. And, or their their strategy was aggressive in how they did that. It worked. But your point, two front row cars going back. And who knows what you find there, man. You take your chances now. Boy, no kidding. So, um, yeah, Chase Briscoe, you wouldn't even think that he was Ooh. running well enough them to take his car back as a random but they did and when they took it back they not only you know so it's one thing that you know obviously in this next gen era you have the single source supplier parts you have to buy each part from the same vendor they say this is (laughs) this is the part that everybody's having and so we've seen teams mess with the part a little bit right manipulate the parts they make a little tweaks right they they, and, and you're not allowed to do that and there's a big penalty for doing that SHR did not do that. Stuart Haas Racing did not do that. They did not mess with the part. They created their own part and replicated it to look exactly like the part they were supposed to buy, except they made it a performance advantage into it, apparently. They did not appeal this, so they, I guess, are admitting... Well, they're not admitting uh, fault or intention because Greg Zipidelli's statement from SHR was it was a mistake in the process and it mistakenly got put on the car. It should never left the shop. Well, why? Okay. Assuming that's true. Why would you have gone to the trouble of counterfeiting a part to look like another part and have it lying around the shop and even open yourself up to the mistake of putting that on the car? Mm Mm-hmm why would you have those parts in the first place? I mean, that seems like a lot of Why would you put it on the car to, to begin with? Well, I, if saying, even if it was like a mistake, like, oh yeah, let's get, hey, grab me that part over there. We now put this on the car. Oh, is this the fake one? Or why, like, why do you have a fake one? Yeah, you, you, maybe you should clearly mark them is what we're saying. Like put some tape on there. Or like, well, it know. was marked as the Those exact the same writing or labeling as the yeah. thing you were supposed to Don't buy. So. Uh, and we, like, and if that part is going on your car and Briscoe ran terribly, at Charlotte, like you maybe want to reevaluate what you're doing back there. Cause that part is not, not working. Well, look, I mean, um, he chase Briscoe even said to reporters in the, in the media bullpen this week, like it could have been worse because they had the option where they could have just taken their entire playoff yeah. eligibility away. So even if he won a race, it wouldn't have mattered. That, that was, that's, that is among the listed options. However, they just gave him, a crap load of penalties and fines points, um, taking away all that stuff. So, um, if he still, if he, if he wins a race, he can still get in the playoffs and salvage this entire thing. Um, but it's going to take, you know, he's going to have to probably do it at a road course or, I mean, SHR is just not, just not running that well, but, um, 
I think it would be interesting to see if NASCAR in these situations where you take a random car back and you find something, they probably should start pulling the teammates' cars going forward because are we just going to just think that SHR is only running like these parts on one of their cars and not the other three? And it's just, you know, or is it a thing of, hey, Maybe we can get away with it on – maybe one of our guys is going to get caught, but if we can get away with it on the other two, three, then we're okay with it. You know, play the percentages. I don't know. I, I just feel like we kind of saw this with with Hendrick this year when At Kyle Richmond. Larson won- – was that? At Richmond, At Richmond. Yeah. They yeah. didn't take first and second back to R&D. They didn't take the first and second. They took the other two cars. They got dinged. But, by the way, the two guys that finished first and second, they're fine. Like, okay. Like, you know, it's a little head-scratching. Right. I mean – Logic would say it's probably unlikely, number one, that this was the first time they ran that. Number mm-hmm. two, that Chase Briscoe out of the only out of the other SHR cars was the only SHR car running yeah. this. Um that would be sort of odd. Just I mean, yeah, you would think you're trying something on all your cars, or at least multiple cars, or I don't know. But um hey, but you gotta give it to him for trying, I guess, but you got to realize. Well, I, love, also, I love the idea. It's fantastic. It's like you know, you wreck your mom's couch. You throw a party, and you throw you wreck your mom's couch. Like we're gonna get a we're gonna get a replacement couch. But like mom always knows, like that's not my original couch. That's a really specific example, Jordan. Mom, your mom's couch. Did you wreck your mom's couch? Are you trying to tell us something? Uh, there was an incident in high school where we threw a party, and there was a chair uh, for the dining room table that got destroyed. And I went out and found it. And it was close. It was really close. Like enough to where I thought you could get away with it. You can't pull that over my mom. My mom knew like that. And (laughs) so it was really your mom's chair. So this (laughs) was your mom's dining room chair. So when you say your mom's couch, that that was like a very, that was a real life example that you just (laughs) pulled out. This is experience. Yeah. I've got some. Yeah. yeah. So it was, uh, so yeah, you you never had an, you never had a thing where you tried to pull one over on your parents and they busted you. Uh, like a replacement, anything like that in the house. I I can't think of one, but if I do, I'll let you know. I mean, my mom and dad both listen to this podcast. So I damaged my parents' car once too. And they were out of town and they thank God they were gone for like two weeks. So I was able to take it to a body person. Oh my gosh, able... you didn't even tell them? Oh, hell no. Hell no. <laughs> they don't even know it to this day. Oh my gosh. Wow. Oh, I think I've always told my parents if I did something. Oh, I've got a long, there's a long list of stories that I have not told my parents. Well, that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> they slowly leak out on the podcast though. <laughs> slowly leak out. Do you, does your mom listen to this podcast? Is she going to no, be upset no, about no, the tiny no, room no, chair? No, okay. No. All right. Well, I guess you're safe. Oh, you said she found out anyway, so. Yeah, she, that, that, that one's already out, so. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry, by the way, I have I have a, speaking of a car wreck, I, I was going to bring this up, and then the podcast. This is, uh, this has nothing to do with racing, but just, just humor me for a second, because something happened on the way, I was uh, at a wedding, and on the way back from a wedding last night, it was raining, and we were on the highway, and, uh, this, again, this has nothing to do with racing, but I just want to like preach a little bit for a second here because this really pissed me off and bothered me. So we were about 20 minutes from home, dark, rainy, like I said, about maybe 
four cars in front of us, this SUV completely loses control. And, um, it, it, she, the driver swerves and she goes head on into the barrier and like goes up in the air and almost flips, lands back on her wheels. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was really terrifying. And she comes to a rest, um, sort of straddling, uh, two of the lanes. And so we, like I said, it was dark, rainy highway, all the stuff, right? Like the interstate. So we, I, I decided, okay, well, the best thing I could do here is stop my car, put on my hazard lights in the middle of the highway yeah. sort of to protect her from getting smashed into yeah, you're good other people, right? So I stopped the, Well, I mean, it's pretty basic. Like, I mean, you see somebody r- crash their car severely. I don't know. There's a lot of people that wouldn't stop. Well, there definitely were, unfortunately, but it gets worse. So, okay. So we call 911. We're waiting for, yes. Yeah, so this is, this is what I wanted to, to rant about really quick. So, we're, we're waiting. Um, I call about nine one one. We're waiting for the fire truck to come. Uh, the driver is, is very, very shaken up, but she is survived. She's okay. She's, you know, hysterical, just trying to, you know, she's staying in her car. The airbags are totally, I mean, her car is destroyed. So get this, not one, but two different people in like the 10 minutes or whatever, they're waiting for the fire truck drive by with their windows down and yell at this, yell at the car. Hey, can't park there. Like they were being funny. They drive by a destroyed car on a rainy night in the highway. And instead of like, oh my gosh, wow, that looks like a really bad accident. I should stop to see if that person's okay. They keep going and roll down their window and try to make a joke. Can't park there. You can't park there. Like my wife and I were both just like completely appalled. Like what the hell? Like, first of all, like you don't even know if this person is dead inside the car or severely injured or something. And just to be like, to not even stop it, keep going and just yell something like what is wrong with people? So I just wanted to say, look again, I know some doesn't have anything to do with racing, but can everybody just please like get back to being like a little bit more civil or kind towards others. Just think about other people for a second. Um, I know most of our listeners would not do that kind of thing, but geez, like, come on. What, what is going on? Like, that just, I, I've just been thinking about it all day. It made me so mad. I, I wanted to like track down those people and just like, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, yell at them or something. I don't know what I would do. You should. Like, if people are, but, I, I don't know. It's just it's, really it's just, awful. I was just like, it's I was already rattled from this whole thing and just like, I just couldn't believe people would behave that way. But anyway, I got totally off track, but we were just talking about uh, life stories and anyway. No, it's right. Fr- hey, Jeff, you know what? <sighs> I'm 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 here. To listen, I'm your therapist. Just okay. Crack open, you know. All right. Just crack Thanks. open, you know. Um. So, uh, what else is on your list of things to talk about? We got it all. Well, I thought you said there was like eight things to talk about or something. We did. We got them all. Big oh. win for Kyle. Racing was just okay. Brake failures. Corey LaJoy. Todd Gilliland. Another solid day, along with Front Row Motorsports. Ryan Blaney. Another strong run. Suarez had a good day. And Ross Chastain. What do we think? Okay. Yeah. And of course you had Hosevar and yeah, stuff like Hosevar, that we talked maybe. about. So, yeah. okay. All right. I don't, I don't feel like we're missing anything. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, I guess you want, I mean, we, I, I don't know. I mean, we both said what we said about Chase Elliott last week. I don't think there's anything more to follow up on. I mean, we both. I was, oh yeah. No, I think that was already pretty obvious. I mean, we, we thought that he should be suspended. You know, we thought it was pretty clear that what happened and that's exactly what happened. I, yeah. I mean, if anything, kudos to NASCAR for mm-hmm. making the right call there. I think the only worry there was, Hey, are they really going to suspend the most popular? Are they driver? really going to suspend them? Like, right. Yeah. 
right? Like, cause I mean, it's one thing like, Oh, Bubba Wallace did this. Oh, we're going to spend Bubba Wallace, but Chase Elliott, where the guy we're making commercials about the guy where we're mm-hmm. seeing has an increase on, he increases the ratings, the ratings go down without him or whatever. Popular driver. Right. Like, I mean, can, are we really going to do this? Uh, you know, because people think, you know, right or wrong, there's favoritism toward Hendrick at times. And, um, but no, they, they made exactly the right call. And I think it was pretty, I think he made it pretty easy for them, honestly, but, um, it was pretty straightforward. I don't think there's any yeah. controversy on this. It was pretty straightforward. I, I applaud NASCAR for doing this. I applaud them for doing it in a timely manner. Like we often see in these cases, um, these things are pushed to Wednesday and they did the next day and they did it on Tuesday after a postponed race already. Mm-hmm. Like, which to me, from the conversation I've had, like there wasn't any much debate about this. It was a pretty, you know, like we, they knew what they were going to do. They knew what had to be done and they did it. And kudos to them. Cause I don't know how, I don't know how they would have been able to talk themselves out of it, you know, but I, you never know. And, but they did and good. And it's good because you can't have a suspension for bubble walls and then let chase Elliott get, get off. Right. I mean, it's just about the consistency. Exactly. That, that's all that matters. Just be consistent. Um, so when Chase Elliott comes back at Sonoma next week, <laughs> what are we going to expect? How is he going to be? Is he going to be sure, apologetic, be defiant? A, is he going to no, Chase not is going to be all? in a great mood. He's going to be talkative and making jokes. And he's probably going to be like, hey, I'm really sorry, but I'm glad to be back talking to all you folks. Um, I right. enjoyed give it. Your, I you guys. Give like, your real answer. How's he going to be? Oh, <laughs> He's going to be Chase. He's not going to say much. He's probably going to be probably surly a little bit. And he's not going to, he's just going to kind of blow it off. And he might give a kind of a, basically a shrug of the shoulders answer, which is, uh, you know, uh, it happened. I don't agree with it, whatever. Or I'm not here to talk about that. That was two weeks ago. I'm here to talk about Sonoma. Interesting. That's that, what, what do you think? Yeah, probably one of those two, right? Like he'll either try to, just, I mean, because here's the other thing, like if you, if you make it through Sonoma without having to talk about it or really address it much or just blow past yeah, it, then you've got the off week. And by then it's, by the time you get to Nashville, nobody's, nobody's going to be asking about, Hey, what about the suspension three weeks ago? You know? Well, so, I mean, but I, I, I mean, it would be the, I mean, people want to know what he thought of it. People are going, I know they talked to Hamlin. Yeah, Denny, I mean, Denny said, said they you need to ask Chase what, what yeah. we talked about. What our Which actually is kind of a good move on Denny's part of like, just don't, it's a good way of like removing yourself a little bit from it. So you don't say anything that, you know, pushes us further or blows anything out of the water and then kind of makes Chase answer the questions. It's a, Chase doesn't, nothing makes Chase answer the questions. I think the one thing is that I would hope from Chase is that, I think I would want to want him to come out and, you know, do a media session and say, look, you know what? Um, look, we, you know, we all get heat of the moment. Um, I recognize that that wasn't the right thing to do and totally accept the penalty. I think they were consistent. Um, I do agree with it. Of course I was doing what I felt like I had to do in the time. I'm not going to get run over by people. Heat of the moment, you, you know. know, right. Like, but like, listen, I'm going to stand up for myself. Um, I take the I take the consequences that come with that when I stand up for myself, but I'm not going to let people race me that way. I'm going to, you know, and I'm not saying I won't do that again. Like I, I understand the safety part of it, but hey, you 
if you if you mess with you me, you're going to get contact. Like he, you could still send the message and you say, say, "I got a code." Like you, you I've got a code I got to operate by, and if you cross the line, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up for myself. I'm willing to sit out a week to not great. get race like that. You know what I mean? Like that that I think that's a reasonable explanation. But I I think it would be disappointing uh, if the other way was like, yeah, I'm not talking about that, or like it is what it is. Um, moving on. Um, because again, like this is not just another driver. This is the guy that they make the TV commercials about and puts butts in the seats. We want to, we want to know what he thought of it. I, I think, but. Okay. Here's a fun question for what, uh, let me look here. Do we have the, you have the point standings in front of you? Um, kind of. Yeah. If, if they're accurate. <laughs> All right. Let's just assume they're accurate. Where's, where's chase? Well, they take him out, right? Because, uh, let's see, he's. They don't when when a driver doesn't run, they don't put him in the standings for the week on the on the live monitor. Oh, I th- yeah, I, I, I don't it. know, I don't know. Sorry. Hang on. Okay, well, let's just say this: if he's not in the top thirty in points, I think he will be. If he's top thirty in point, if he's not inside the top thirty in he's points, 28th, he's twenty eighth. Not- I think it looks like he's twenty eighth. Oh, okay, never mind then. Never mind. It's off the board. So he has to do a media session. Then no, he doesn't. Vanessa. No, he doesn't. NASCAR is no NASCAR has changed it a couple times, like top twenty-five, top twenty. They did um, top thirty in Charlotte, so I don't know if NASCAR can compel him to come in or not. I think there's going to have to be some agreement on. He's got to talk, and that's the thing. Like he has to talk. Like you can't, you can't go the weekend with avoiding this. You, Watch you him cannot. Try. I don't know, maybe. I mean, I would put a, I, I would think the professional thing to do would be to talk. I agree, hundred percent. Get, get it out there, get it over with. Just address it head on at the start of the weekend. Say, and, hey, and look. you have to talk about it. And when I say talk, it's not just doing a short, couple questioned interview on Fox Sports, which is great. You have to do that too on the TV side, but you have to meet the media and do. Now, Jordan, you know, people are not going to like that you say that he has to do something. People do not like it when a media person athletes. says that um, an athlete has to talk they do not like that so why don't you explain what every other sport see this i'm not gonna go my soapbox yeah you're a professional athlete part of the responsibility of a professional athlete is meeting with the media other professional sports you are required to meet with media for a certain amount of time at least once a week if not more so i i just feel like considering the circumstances considering your nascar's most popular driver and a former champion and a title contender this year like it's it's kind of a responsibility. I feel like that you should put on your shoulders of saying, Hey, I need to meet with the media. Um, I mean, look, I'm a media person, so I don't disagree. I just, I don't know that that's going to be the case. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. I know people are going to disagree. That's fine. But that's just that there's a responsibility that comes with this and other sports and other athletes are held to a certain standard. I just know that every time I've, complained in the past about, Oh, this driver didn't talk or, you know, he declined comment or whatever. Uh, on, when I say that on Twitter, people are like, you guys, we shouldn't have to talk to you guys. You guys are always whining, you know, you, blah, blah. Oh, who cares if Harvick doesn't want to talk to you after the week that he did this, you know, blah, blah. He shouldn't have to. Why do you guys complain about this? It's all that kind of stuff, right? I'm not opposed to like, there are instances where I understand why a driver doesn't talk. And I'm like, even willing to, to say like, there are some races where you've had a bad week or something happened. You're like, listen, I just, I'm not doing it. Like, whatever. I'm okay with that. Like occasionally, like I, I'm, 
but you can't continually make it a pattern though and you can't continually not talk to the media i think that's part of being a professional athlete that's why in other sports leagues there are requirements or you have to talk to the media on a regular basis so. yeah well in an um, ideal world that'd be nice but um i don't know if it's, we'll, we'll see we'll see i i hope that i hope he he um you know i'm curious what he says yeah i mean I think we're, we all want to know what he thinks right so that's yeah. that's why i mean i don't think the media I don't think like the media is the only people that want to know, wants to know what he thinks about what ha- everything that happened and what his reaction is now. The the suspension, do they think it's right? Does he regret it? All that kind of stuff. I I think the fans want to know too, or a lot of fans yeah. do. So he's NASCAR's most popular driver. I'm sure his fan base would love to hear what he what he has to say about this. We'll see. Anyway, um, real quick, I think uh, you know we could touch on um, the F1 and the IndyCar race. No, you're shaking your head. F1, man. Like it's got, oh, it's brutal. It's, it's brutal. Absolutely brutal. It's just terrible. What a terrible season. So so uneventful. So any of the, like once Perez crashed and qualifying at Monaco and it like, it sapped any potential drama out of a championship. Like I was kind of hoping in Monaco, going to Monaco, like he would be able to hang tight. Maybe he could win because it's a street course. He's really good in the street courses. And then that way, you know, you get this Red Bull title fight, at least kind of carry it through for a little bit. No, done. It's it's done. It's over. If there's I mean, no- Red Bull's seven for seven this year. And again, this weekend, Checo didn't have a good qualifying. No. So that put Max on the pole. Max, of course, just completely destroys everybody. Uh, no safety cars. He could do whatever. He had such a big lead. He could do whatever he wanted. He pit, pits for the end just because, uh, just to go for fast slap. Um you know, there's just no, yeah, he's won again, like five of the seven races this year. If you go back to the last calendar year of the 22 races that have been run in the last calendar year, he's won 16 races. Um, it's, I mean, what's, what's the fun of watching that? It's, I, and I tell you what, I think this more and more now, but like F1 is really, uh, and I don't even think there's anything they can do about it, but they are going to absolutely blow all the hype and trendiness that they have all the goodwill right of all, all getting all these people you know all these people the 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 intersection of drive to survive plus the 2021 title battle and how thrilling that was and exciting that was mm-hmm. between Max and Lewis um you just like you had to watch it last season was you know Max set the record for most wins in a season once he got rolling it was completely over um, and once, you know, the Ferraris fell off and all that stuff and, and Mercedes had their problems this season, there was optimism for, well, maybe there's people who made some gains. Absolutely not. Nobody's made gains. And, uh, again, Red Bulls won every race and it just seems like it's going to be like that for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, I mean, at some point people are just going to go, why am I watching this? Why? I why feel like I- we're, I feel like that point is coming really, really soon Yeah, all of the the people who have discovered formula one recently, I really like, yeah, the, the, off the, off the, the, off the track drama doesn't really interest me anymore. I'm kind of over that. I want to see something that happens on the track and they're not getting it. And they're going to go find that next new, big, exciting thing. And formula one's going to be around and be like, what the heck happened here? And especially here in the States where it's exploded. And for the first time in my lifetime, formula one, like actually matters and people care about it. And people are excited by it. And I feel like it's going to 
in like a few years, we're going to look back like it's, it's going to be gone. Like there's, you're not going to have three races here. You're going to, the interest isn't going to be here to justify it. Well, again, if you get the racing to where there's other teams that could win yes, a race, but they you know, can't, they, right. they, they never, and that's the thing with formula. One, and I know they've got the, in 20, they're going to do their engine formulas. I know they've got the cost cap and they've got these, these mechanisms in place and they hope, hope to make formula one more like frankly, NASCAR and IndyCar where there's a little bit more of competitiveness and you don't know a who's going to win on a week. You hope. <laughs> but you don't know that, though. But that's never been Formula One. What happened in 2021 was an anomaly. That was, you don't normally have years like that. And there's no guarantee. It's The, the likelihood that you're going to get another one like that is, is, is small because that's just never been Formula One. Formula One has always been one team hits on something and blows everyone else's doors off. And everyone else is playing catch up. And that's, that's here's, here's the thing too, like about, so like even in Lewis's most dominant seasons or even like Vettel's dominant seasons, well, the thing they never were t- doing this to, to the degree that Max is doing it right now. They, they, no, I, mean, I agree. And, and so. the thing with Lewis though, too, is like there was, there was charisma and there was some character there and there was some personality, right? Was, he kind of drew you in. And no offense to Max, and again, it's not his job to go up there and be an entertainer. He's a race car driver first and foremost, but there really isn't anything novel or exciting or intriguing about what Max is doing. It's very business-like, show up, win, win the race, go home. Like, there's not a lot to him, like, you know, and I think that's part of it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, so <laughs> over in Detroit, um, they tried this – you know, they, they, Roger Penske moved the race from Belle Isle um, to the streets of downtown Detroit, you know, uh, right around the Renaissance Center there. And uh, very, very tight course and very, <laughs> very, very bumpy course. Oh, my gosh. Looking at those cars. Yeah. Holy crap. They were just like bouncing all over the place. Um, and they had they had some decent drama there. Uh, you know, they had some teammate drama. Um yeah, they had some interesting things going on, but ultimately, like, just like as with IndyCar or sorry, uh, F1 and, and NASCAR this weekend, the pole sitter ends up winning the race. Yeah. Alex Pillow, um, he was the guy out front, and he he won, yeah. and uh, he's the points leader, and nobody could nobody could catch him. So, um, he's I, good. you know, well, you yeah. Bell Isle guy, or did you like the new course? Uh, I was looking forward to the new course after I saw you know that it was going to cause them problems and there was going to be some <laughs> team chaos craziness. Right. Cause I mean, yeah, you want to mix it up and be like, Whoa, that's crazy. Like, uh, yeah. makes it challenging. Right. It, it, it did seem like a little much for them quite rough and all that stuff. But, um, no, I, I liked, I, I was, I was excited to tune in for it. I, I just wish now, of course the red flag helped with NASCAR. Yeah. I hate that they were scheduled against each other once again, but, um, also, not to go on a tangent here, but like, what are, what's, I mean, this whole, the whole lightning delay thing, right? If NASCAR starts that race at one o'clock Eastern instead of three forty Eastern, the whole lightning thing is not really, I mean, I guess it ended up being a over three hour race anyway, but that would have just ended the race, I guess. But, um, you could have got the race in, you wouldn't have had to, you know, like have everybody stay there for almost two hours waiting for lightning I don't know. I was just like, oh, this, the late start times, man, just still, I just can't get over it, but I just 
got to live with it, I guess. I don't know. You're not, you're not being supportive here. I don't, I, I don't mind the late start times. I get it from the TV perspective, man. This is a, this is about maximizing viewers and the numbers overwhelmingly support starting. Yeah. Later does it overwhelmingly support when they get so delayed that they have to go head to head with the NBA finals on a Sunday night? You, you, NASCAR will tell you, you know this because you sat in the meetings I have. They will tell you that they are willing to eat. What was it like two races or two or two three races, races a year? I know. I know. Yeah. So like, I get it. It sucks. Um, I, you know, yeah. I, I mean, sure. If you could tell me that going into the Sunday morning, like, hey, there's going to be weather, we're going to have to adjust the start time and we're going to have to move it up two hours. Great. Let's do it. But you don't know that. And so, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm team late start. I, I know that oh, it's. You're not just tolerating them, you're team late start. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, like, just I mean, it's all about the, I'm sorry, but at the end of the day, it is a, it is about the TV ratings and, and it's about maximizing viewers. So, I, you know, if that's the if that is what it is about, and that and at this time when you're negotiating a new contract, it matters. I get it. I mean, it, it sucks. I, I mean, yeah, it would be great to have that race at one o'clock on a sunny, hot day, and them sliding around the racetrack. But again, you don't know, and this is why TV pays NASCAR what they're going to pay, and this is why these next TV deal is going to be more than the last one was worth, more than likely. Um, you're going to have to make some concessions. And one of those concessions is, is you're going to have to have late starts. But you know what? Every sport wants to have time slots where they get more serious. As a hockey fan, the NHL playoffs suck in the first round, at least the first two rounds, because my favorite team isn't playing until 930 uh, Eastern time, and they play in the central time zone. Like it, it's you know, But guess what? It doesn't matter. It's about TV. At the end of the day, Every sport is like that. Let's talk about the good race poll, Jordan. Big Joe Wall says, Jeff is slowly trying to catch Jordan, but a longer streak would help because we've traded back and forth for the last three weeks. However, I've won five of the last eight now after you had this big start to the season. So the score is currently nine to five you. So you're either going to go up five this week or I'm going to get within three. Big week. Long season. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Just, you know. All right. Well, I've got to go first because I won. And this is tough because I don't think it was. I mean, what are, what are people basing that that was a good race on? I don't know. So just complete, fan. Well, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Just completely randomly. Maybe I'm being too pessimistic here. Oh, I don't know. I. For whatever reason, the number 30 popped into my head. Ooh, is that too okay. low? No, I mean, no, it's not too low. I mean, I was I'm not too far off. So that's that's a that's a fair number. Okay. Like we said, what what is your takeaway from this? What is your you know? Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna remember anything from this. This is this is a this is gonna become a footnote. This is, you know. Right. So, so what's your guess? 35. Oh, so you're in the 30s too. Yeah, I'm in the 30s. I was going between 35 and 40, and 30 seems like the the way to go. Okay. Yeah, I I mean, just, yeah, look, it, it could be in the 40s. I don't know. But I just don't just, uh, seen that race. I mean, what are you going to be like, oh, yeah, that what, was awesome. What, 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 what was the most memorable thing about this race? What was – was there a Break moment rotors? in today's race where you're like, <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about this on the podcast? 
or you had someone text you like, oh my God, that was cool or anything like that. Like Ross Chastain, go back to Darlington. You know, the Ross Chastain, Kyle Larson stuff happened. We had people messaging us mutually who aren't NASCAR fans like, oh my God, this is cool. Like, you know, uh, when you're watching last week's race at Charlotte, which I woefully underrated in retrospect as I rewatched the race, and like you, you knew like this is a darn good race. This has everything you want in an NASCAR race. This is offering it to you just about. And that was it's like cool. I can't wait to talk to Jeff about this, right? And today it was like, oh man, this is this is, you know, yeah. yeah. What are we going to talk so, about? And here we are, an hour yeah. and seventeen minutes later. But <laughs> so, but yeah, but I mean that's it though. But there isn't like we're going to make you're going to rate the race. You're going to rank the races at the end of the year. Let me be honest with you, this one's probably near the bottom. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree. All right, well, Sonoma is next, and then we won't have a podcast during the off week. Sorry. Why not? Well, I'm going on vacation, so Where you, you can going? do one by yourself. What kind of, uh, kind of activities do you got lined up? Well, I used to live in Portland, Oregon. By the way, everybody still thinks I live in Portland all the time. It's amazing how many people will be like, like I'll see somebody at the track or like, you know, people not, not just like fans or something like people in the industry would be like, so you're out in Portland, right? I'd be like, Oh no. Like, what? <laughs> I've seen it before. I've been yeah. around you when I had, well, I, I mean, it's like... not, I mean, I've, I moved to Denver in, um, like right before the pandemic in late 2019. So I've lived here now almost, I mean, three and a half years, almost four years. Right. I've lived here longer than I lived in Portland. <laughs> But yeah, everybody still thinks I live in Portland for some reason. But anyway, I've never been back to Portland since um, since I, since we moved away because we had kids. You know, the pandemic happened. Can't tra- travels easily, all stuff. So uh, finally, going to go back to Portland. Um, I was jealous of of uh, some of the beautiful pictures from the Xfinity races this weekend. looked looked nice there. Aside from all the fighting on pit road, but I didn't really, get, I didn't talk about this on the podcast cause I didn't get to watch it. Cause I, like I said, I was in a wedding on Saturday. So I just saw tweets from, from people and Chandler yeah. Smith's great, uh, great social that media content great. there. Wow. Who's his social person. That was really, I don't good. know. Give that person good. a raise, man. That was good stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. So you can do a podcast by yourself that week, but, um, I don't know what you'll talk about <laughs> F1 good. Miami maybe, but. We can't even talk about F1 for like more than two minutes anymore because it's just no, nothing to talk about. Yeah. No. We'll find a reason. Maybe we can talk you to do a podcast anyway. We'll find something to talk about. No, I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to do a podcast anyway. On vacation. I actually see when you go on vacation, you want to work and show people, oh, look, I broke a story even though I'm on vacation. Isn't this a cool badge of honor? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm on vacation. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not responding to your text messages or well, okay. We'll start to respond to your text messages, but I wish I could not, uh, and just like not look at my phone at all. and just completely disconnect, but I'm not going to be working. I'm not going to bring my computer. I'm not going to bring, bring your computer. No, that's a vacation. My computer no. is for work. Oof. I do not do the work on a vacation. You always have to bring your computer with you regardless. No, no. What is if something like major happens and you're, you don't have your computer with you. You got it, buddy. You you'll do it. <laughs> but if something so major happens, it's a two person story. I'm on vacation. I cannot legally. Do you know that when you take vacation, 
Like you put in for vacation for work. You you can't work when you're on vacation. There's like some yes, you can. department of labor law. Yes, you do. That's yeah. You're just, I did it like did it in December. Like I was on vacation, but I was like doing stuff for work where I, I you know, I got that. beyond. That's that's you. That's you. Congratulations. <laughs> I will not be doing that. A real All vacation right. to me is not looking at any work stuff. So you know, like a real balanced human. Is it wrong? I'm kind of hoping now something like mega happens where you're like, oh no, this is all hands on deck. We need everybody we can can to write about this. You know what? I'll get it when I get back. <laughs> Nothing is so important that, I mean, people are like, oh my gosh, we cannot wait to see what Jeff Gluck writes about this. He has to come back from vacation right now. Like, yeah, maybe they, like you know, you gotta, we got to do like a big investigative piece. Something crazy happens. Who knows? You can do it. Um, Even if you are on vacation, you'll do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll be back. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Um, this, this has gone on way too long. Next week's right. podcast will not be this long because I'm going to be looking at the off week and being like, peace. <laughs> Have so, fun with Sonoma. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk next week. Anyway, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on The Teardown.